Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. I am very, very excited about today's episode because it is a first. It is the first time I will have a guest speaker on. My friend and I, uh, Gloria Duarte, graciously, she said she would join me, and I'm very excited to have her. She's going to share a little bit about her life, um, some of the things that she went through, and then uh, her life as a missionary in Brazil. If you purchase the Sit Still My Daughter magazine, which will be available very, very soon, if you go to my website, Website. You can find the information there or follow the link in the show notes. So um, Gloria wrote an article for me in the magazine. And so I decided what a fun way for you to kind of learn a little bit more about her, maybe learn how to connect with her. And uh, she is just a sweet, wonderful person. So I'm very excited for you to meet her. So let's get started and hear the interview with Gloria Duarte. Hi, Gloria. Thanks so much for joining me on my podcast. I'm so excited about today. Thank you for having me, Sarah. It's a joy to be here. Yes, so for those of you listening, um, Gloria and I go back many, many years. We will not share how many years we go back. <laughs> um, but we met as teenagers in the our kind of our senior year in camp. That's kind of where we met. And then we ended up working together at Chick-fil-A. So that was my first job. And was that your first job, Gloria? I don't know. My first real job, yeah. We'll go with that. <laughs> same, same. I was like, wow, I get a real paycheck. This is so exciting. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so we, we kind of worked together a little bit. She worked in the afternoon. I tended to work a little bit in the morning. So we had a little crossover there. Um, and then I remember we, you did some classes, I think at Ambassador Baptist College, I think. Yes, I did two years um, just commuting and I did the one year Bible. Okay, okay. Getting some mission classes. Right. Now I'm trying to remember because we weren't, we didn't stay in touch that much. We weren't in the same church. So we only saw each other at work. And I think during that time, was that the time where you had your accident? Yes. I um, had that deer stand accident right after I turned 18 and it was right before graduating from high school. Okay. I wanted to kind of talk I about it. I, was- I know there was a lot of great things that it was a bad experience, but I knew that there were many things you learned during that time. And I'm just would kind of like to walk through that a little bit. So why don't you just tell us a little about what happened and kind of your journey there. So I had turned 18 and uh, it was two weeks after my 18th birthday. It was a regular afternoon. My parents and I, uh, with my siblings, we lived out in the country and a lot of afternoons, if I wasn't working, I would go into the woods and just um, go on hikes, you know, with my brothers. So I invited a brother of mine to go um, on a hike. We went down to the river, we played, we just had a great time for a couple of hours. And we're coming back up to our house when um, I said, let's climb this deer stand, like a hunting stand. The leaves were off the trees. It was March, so they hadn't grown back on since the winter. And I thought we could see into South Carolina if we climbed up into that stand. So we climb up, um, now this is not just like a 10 foot stand, it's a 35 and a half foot deer stand that my uncle had made. And I had been up there several times, um, you know, just sightseeing with friends and uh, my siblings. So we're up there for a few minutes and without warning, the railing I was leaning against suddenly broke. And I heard a a crack, you know, from the the wood cracking away from the nails um, that they were nailed into and it's like time stopped. (laughs) Um, I tried with all my might to throw my weight back because I knew I was falling and um, it seemed like eternity, but it wasn't, it was probably just a half second. 
uh, but I realized there's nothing I can do. I'm falling and this is it and I'm going to die. I really thought I would not live through that um, experience. Yeah, I remember hearing about it and, you know, I remember a lot of us were just praying for you and just kind of waiting for the updates. Now, did you, um, what, what injuries, because obviously you did survive the fall, what kind of injuries did you sustain? The main injury was my spine broke. The fifth vertebrae just shattered. So if you can imagine your spine is relatively supposed to be straight and mine was when I looked at the x-ray the doctor showed me in Charlotte, it was like a triangle. Um, in addition to breaking you know, the spine, severing it, my right side was paralyzed, and then I had fractured ribs, um, a fractured collarbone, and skull fractures. Um, but obviously the main injury was the spine, and it's just a miracle I'm alive. I'm so grateful that God gave me life. Um, it's just it's such a miracle and a blessing. Yes, and we were so glad to hear that. Now, how, how long, because I'm trying to remember, how long of a journey was it for you, like through rehab and recovery? Um, they took me to the Charlotte Hospital once the, my local hospital realized they couldn't um, do much for me. And I was in the Charlotte Hospital two weeks. They did spine surgery. So I now have two rods in my back and 12 screws. Then they moved me to a rehab and um, a team of five doctors met the day after I got to the rehab place and they were like, we looked at your, um, you know, charts and your file and you're going to be here for five weeks. And it, in my heart, I was like, I am not going to be here five weeks. That's over a month. And I'm determined to get out of here. And, um, they laid out the things that I would have to do in order to leave. You know, I had to be able to walk on my own, you know, shower on my own, dress myself, uh, just do basic movements. And, um, with the Lord's help, I, he gave me strength and I worked really hard and was out of there in two weeks. So it was a month total stay. But I will say that the pain, um, the intense pain from the surgery and from the fall, it lasted about a year. Um, and I still have pain from it. I, I have pain every day, but it's just normal. Um, but as far as intense pain, it lasted a year after the fall. Right. Yeah. I remember because we would, we would talk about that on occasion and um, Gloria and I continued to work together. We just liked each other so much. We just kept finding <laughs> jobs together. So we both worked for um, the same nonprofit. And I remember some days, you know, I would see her and she would start to shift and I knew that the pain was getting to her. So I, I would kind of come behind her and just give her some massage and just try to relax those muscles because it's a permanent thing. It's never going to go away. And that's something that she mm -hmm. had to learn to deal with. And I know that uh, I just am always inspired by her and just the steps she takes. And she's always still so happy. You know, I've, I've met people who have a chronic illness or different things. And we're not downplaying that, but sometimes it's a choice of the, of an attitude you make. And so many mm -hmm. choose to be negative and Gloria always embraced that, you know, she was thankful to be alive, even though she did have pain, she was still happy and still praise the Lord and that he is good. And I just watched that. I know she was such an encouragement to so many. And so I do count her as a dear friend. I miss her now that she lives in Brazil. I don't get to see her that often, but we are very thankful for zoom. Absolutely. Yes. So <laughs> But, um, so I know that did it for you, did it actually set you back at all? Or were you still able to graduate on time and kind of continue on like you had planned? It set me back a little. So I would have graduated in May, but I really didn't finish until sometime this summer. Um, and I didn't plan to go to college because I mean, this huge accident happens, this huge, I say accident, but I, I know God planned it. 
Um, so even though I call it that, it's, it was part of God's plan and it was perfect. Um, and I, one, one time, years after the, the incident, one of my sisters said, um, we were talking about how much pain I sometimes endure. And she said, but you wouldn't wanted it not to happen, Gloria. And I had never given that a thought. And I was like, you know, you're right. But through all that God taught me through that accident, he changed a lot of things in my life. Um, and I'm so grateful and thankful and I would not have wanted it any other way. Um, but I did not plan to go to college and then I got a scholarship and I was planning to write the scholarship place and say, you know, this is what happened. I had this fall and I, I'm going to have to say no to the scholarship. And I told my dad and he said, no, God wants you to go to college this fall and you're going to go. <laughs> so I did. I, um, went to Bible college that fall and it was hard, especially that first semester, very hard. And I was working full time too. Um, and it was just a difficult time pain wise. Um, but the Lord gave me grace and got me through it. Mm -hmm. So was it your college time? Cause I, I know that you, you've always been a bit more, um, adventurous in some ways you like to travel. I'm more the homebody. I just like, I'm content at home. And so I know, um, at one point you chose to go, um, work with some missionaries. Can you tell us like maybe what led to that? How long were you there? Where exactly did you go? So I did two years at Ambassador Baptist College and got the one-year Bible um, in addition to missions classes. And I always knew before I married, if that was God's will, um, while I was single, I wanted to serve the Lord about a year on a mission field, you know, helping missionaries. And so um, just, it was God that put me in touch with some missionaries in the Amazon of Brazil. And so in October, I was 20, I guess 21 by this time. Um, I went to Amazon, uh, Brazil to live on this island. I did not speak a word of Portuguese. <laughs> um, I just went by faith. I saved up my money. I worked all summer in a berry field with uh, Hispanics. So that gave me a lot of exposure to Spanish, uh, which Spanish is similar to Portuguese. They're definitely two different languages, but they're both Latin based and um, they have a lot of similarities. So I just arrived and um, had an amazing time for six months. I lived with a veteran missionary couple and helped them in their work. And for you, what was the greatest takeaway from that experience? The huge need of the gospel in the world. Um, while I was there, I traveled a lot, you know, so I lived on an island, but I traveled to many other islands, many other cities. And in that entire six months, I did not meet one other missionary. Um, and I, I just realized, you know, you could use 100 missionaries in this area tomorrow and never would the, the twain meet, never would any of them cross paths. Um, it's just a vast need, and not just in Brazil, it's the whole world. There's many places like this, but it was, you can read about a need, and that's one thing, but to actually see it with your eyes um, changes your whole perspective. Right, right. Yeah, they say that. Uh, so I know in the article that you wrote for the magazine, um, you kind of talked about that that was very, um, is it a turning point for you that you kind of surrendered to the mission field that you wanted to kind of almost come back to this uh, area? Yeah. yeah, so when I took the missions trip to Brazil, I did not think um, the Lord would call me there permanently. I was open to go wherever he wanted. But near the end of my time there, I really um, felt peace from God about coming back one day to Brazil 
and if you could call it a calling, that's, that's when he, I believe, gave me a calling to come back. And I, I never dreamed I would get married. I was, I was going to go single, you know. <laughs> right. Now, now, I'm trying to think how long of it, because I know we'll, we'll kind of talk about how you, how you met your husband, but how long of a time was it between when you left and you wanted to come back to the time that you've actually, to, to now, I guess. I'm trying to think of the, the time. Almost 10 years, nine years. Okay. Okay. So yeah. what, when you went back to the States, kind of in your mind, what was your plan of, okay, I, I feel like I should come back. What was your plan as far as to come back? So while it, another thing that happened while I was in Brazil, the missionaries I worked with challenged me to pray about returning to Bible college. In my 21 year old mind, I thought, I don't need college. I've done my one year Bible. <laughs> I'm all set to be a missionary, you know, and, um, they were really sweet about it, but they, you know, were talking to me one time and the, the man missionary, um, and he's probably, he could be my grandfather. That's how much older they are than me. But he, he said, um, you have a great zeal and a passion, but a few rough edges. And I was taken aback. I thought me rough edges again, you're, you're 20, 21. You think, you think, you know, everything. <laughs> um, and and it's not necessarily a bad thing in that I wanted to just do, I didn't want to just sit in a classroom and absorb, absorb, absorb. I wanted to be hands-on, you know, right. sharing the gospel, um, doing all I could to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's, that's good to have zeal and want to apply your knowledge, but you also need to have a foundation first. <laughs> and I right. was trying to bypass the foundation. So he, anyway, the missionary said, just pray about it. And I said, I'll pray about it. And in my mind, I thought, but God's going to say no, and I'm never going back to college of any kind. <laughs> um, and the Lord would not let me rest. So every time I um, got on my knees to pray, you know, did my devotions, it's like God was saying, go back to college, go back to ambassador, finish a missions degree. And I fought, I don't remember how long, but I fought in my heart about it. And finally, one night, it was about 2 a.m., and I remember clearly kneeling beside my bed, I raised my hands opened and um, a professor in college, uh, Dr. Childs, he always would say this quote, open hands. So basically surrendering your plans, your desires, your hopes to the Lord and saying, Lord, my hands are open to receive whatever you have planned for me. And knowing that God's plan is far better than our own. Um, so that night I surrendered and immediately God gave me a peace and I knew I would come back to ambassador, you know, that fall. I didn't know how, because by then I was broke. I had not, um, I had spent all my money to live in Brazil for six months, but I was like, Lord, if you provide, I will go. And um, he did provide. So. Wow. Wow. And we know, of course, as we move into your story, that was very an essential part of your story, <laughs> come back to college for a reason. Yes. So, um, of course, those who know you, you married Jed, who is a Brazilian. Uh, Brazilian American, um, but I know that it was not necessarily love at first sight on both ends, from what I know. <laughs> so why don't you talk us of, of how you guys met and how that kind of progressed? Sure. Um, we have a, I think, a funny love story. So he's younger than me. I'm three years older, and this is another thing I said I would never do. Um, I would never marry someone younger, and I, I have two younger brothers. I know, right? I'm just one of those. It's all or nothing. So um, I've made a lot of, I would now look back and say rash statements before. 
I'm probably still making them, but anyway, the Lord's grace is um, sufficient and he has abundant forgiveness. Um, Anyway, so I, I met Jed's sisters when I came back to the States and we worked together at Ambassador Cleaning um, that summer and I got really close to them. Um, When I first met Jed, you know, we were introduced and um, I thought he was handsome, but again, he's three years younger. So I viewed him as a younger brother. And um, we actually became really, really good friends because there was no uh, presupposition or, you know, when you think, oh, this person, they would never like me. So I can be, you know, really comfortable with them. So we were very good friends. And I I really thought of him as a brother (laughs) um, for years. So um, I think I remember one time, like you were, Maybe it's embarrassing. I don't know. But I remember you, t- you telling me one time, because we would talk all the time at work. We were supposed to be working and we did try at certain times. Um, <laughs> but we would talk and I remember she was dating uh, Jed at the time and she says, yeah, I didn't think he would like me. And so I was just completely me. And I'd be like, hi, Jed. And you would just wave at him when he would play in the soccer field. And I just remember yes. those stories. And then all of a sudden the news got to you and Jed's like, well, I really do like him. And you're like, oh my goodness, really? And so... <laughs> So I remember I, I was just curious if you wanted to share kind of that transition of actually when that moment happened. So he, um, we were really good friends. Again, we would talk a lot. We sat together in chapel, his sisters and I, and um, I just never gave him a, a thought um, romantically. <laughs> and um, he asked me to a banquet. It was a missions banquet. And he said, but just as friends, you know, you're, you're like a sister and just as friends. And I said, sure. I was like, out of anybody, I, of course I'd go with him because he's my brother. Um, and then two days before the banquet, he called me and said, um, I actually like you more than just friends, but will you still go with me to the banquet? <laughs> and I was like, oh, um, I was shocked because, you know, I just never thought he would like me and I remember asking him why are you interested in me and um if he had said you know because of how you look or anything kind of superficial I would have not gone with him but he the statement he made was so um it just rang true to me he said when I imagine myself on a mission field and if I was in a place that um was without a lot of conveniences you know no electricity no running water He said, I can see you there and I know you'd be happy and content. And I thought, here's a man who really knows my heart. You know, someone who just sees me from the outside may think that I have to have certain things to um, be happy, you know, to exist. And I don't. And wherever God has placed me, that's where I'm content and happy to be. Um, Whether that's, you know, with American conveniences or without that stuff. And so the night we went um, to this banquet, the whole time, I didn't really talk much, believe it or not. (laughs) He told me his dream of reaching the world with the gospel and how he didn't want to just plant one church. He wanted to plant multiple churches and turn them over to national pastors and just um, spread the gospel over the whole world. You know, he, he's just visionary. He, Mm -hmm. He dreams big. And I came back to my dorm that night and I thought that's something I can support. That's a, a dream, a goal I can get behind. And I said, I would pray about it. I did not love him at that time. I didn't even like him other than a friend. Um, I deeply cared about him, but just as a brother, I have journals that I prayed for him, you know, when, um, he had different things going on in his life and 
again, never dreamed I would marry this man one day, <laughs> just praying, you know, for him to, uh, the Lord to lead him and stuff. So I prayed about three months. I did not talk to anybody about him or ask people anything. And then after those three months, I felt like God is saying, yes, you know, he's opening this door and I, I should walk through. And that's when I started asking roommates about him and, uh, you know, his friends, people that knew him, um, trying to dig up, you know, dirt on him. <laughs> do you do I just wanted to know, sure. You know, I, I, everybody's different, but I was a girl who um, was scared of marriage. I was afraid of having a bad marriage and marriage problems. And I just, um, I did not run towards guys. I ran away from them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and well, I think God there's took a lot of people that can relate to that for you though do you think that the foundation of your friendship first was very influential in your, in your moving to the next step? Do you think that was very helpful for you? Very helpful. And everyone's love story is different. You know, some people, um, I have friends that met online. I have friends that, uh, as soon as they saw the person, they knew they were the one. Mm -hmm. And so we can't put the Lord into a box, but at least for me, the way my heart was, it was hard for me to trust um, I still struggle with that some mm -hmm. and God's way is perfect. And he had it perfectly planned that I would already know Jed so well. We did not have all these, um, I don't know what you want to say, uh, shocking moments, you know, after getting married or, right. um, dating because I already knew him and he knew me, he knew me at my worst. And so, <laughs> and I think um, and that's the beautiful me. part of the story in, in that, you know, like you said, everyone's is different but God tailors it to your needs. You mm -hmm. needed that time of getting to know him in a relaxed setting where you could be the true you. You didn't have to feel superficial, like, well, I've got to be this or act this way or say these things yes. to, to impress him. You could completely be you and your, so your love was very natural and it had a foundation of trust before you ever took the mm -hmm. next step. And I think that's mm -hmm. what I love about that story because I, I see that in other people. It's different. Like you said, it's different. Everybody, some people meet online and they're already, when they're online, they're secure. They're ready for that next step. But for you, you needed that foundation. I think that's what's the beautiful part of your story. And I just, I love that so much. And I actually, it's terrible. I missed Gloria's wedding. I know. I should not have but missed But you were at wedding. another best friend's wedding. So yes, I forgave you. <laughs> I mean, who, who has this happen? Two friends get married on the exact same day. They pick, I was like, when Gloria announced April 9th, I think I was like, Oh, what a great day. April's not that popular. And then a friend of mine said, yeah, I'm getting married too on April 9th. I'm like, Oh my, what am I going to do? <laughs> so I would told my, my, my friend lived in Pennsylvania. So I had to actually fly to her wedding. There was no way I could come back in time. So, um, I remember this is just a funny story because her wedding was in um, Pennsylvania. The day we woke up, there was six inches of snow on the ground. So it was so completely different to see her wedding pictures with her little fur on trying to protect and stay warm. And Gloria had this beautiful sunny day and it was just so perfect. But I sent my mom, I was like, you go to Gloria's wedding. I'll go to so-and-so's wedding <laughs> and we'll just <laughs> compare and see how wonderful they both were. <laughs> Oh, so I remember so that. Um, I, I loved my wedding day. There was not anything I would change about it. It was, it was a beautiful, from the pictures. And of course, those of you who know Gloria and those of you who don't know Gloria, she loves hats. Hats are her thing. And she was like, I'm going to have hats at my wedding. <laughs> so her, and gift them out to my so bridesmaids pretty. too. 
<laughs> I think was it Jed had a fedora, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. They were just so such a classy, timeless couple. I just their their wedding pictures will just never age. It's just so beautiful. <laughs> I I'm not always into trends. Um, so whatever I think is pretty, that's what I'm gonna go with. I just <laughs> whether or not it, it's probably just in my head, but to me, if it's pretty, I like it. <laughs> exactly. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful wedding. So you've been married how long now? For a little over four years. Okay. Okay. So how, how soon did you guys transition from, you know, okay, we're married. We would like to go to Brazil. Cause I'm pretty sure that was, Jed knew that from the very beginning. Uh, but when yes. was it that you made that transition from maybe helping your local church to taking the step for deputation? We knew we, we talked about this before we got married and prayed about it. And we did not want to go straight from getting married to traveling on the road deputation. Um, and again, everybody's different. So some people I know have done, you know, they got married and after their honeymoon, they go to their first meeting in a church to raise support. Um, for us, we were like, we're still getting our act together, you know, learning how we work as a couple, as a family. Um, and we don't want to, I don't know, spend the first few months of our married life in, in other people's homes, you know, um, having to go to many other churches. So we wanted to take about a year um, off, you know, mm -hmm. and he worked a job in the local area. Uh, he started getting promoted and he was making really good money. And I remember one day um, he came back from work and we had our daughter, she was, so this has been about a year and a half after being married. Um, and he said, I really think we need to start deputation, you know, now, and I'm going to turn on my two week notice. And my heart stopped. I actually cried. He's like, what's wrong? And I said, I'm scared, you know, um, because this is not as soon as we had planned. But I said, if this is what God wants us to do, we cannot, you know, uh, disobey. We have to do this. So he put in his two work week notice and we started deputation with, um, I think two meetings scheduled. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a big but God take for you. Us. Again, everyone's different. And some people would look at that and think foolish, but in our, in our case for us, we knew it was faith. And, you know, Jed said, it's easy to talk about faith, but it's so much harder to live it. And, uh, it was not easy. Um, but God provided abundantly. We never lacked. We never went without. And it was just a testimony to God's goodness and his provision. Right. Now, for, uh, I'm just kind of curious how long, because I know some people say it's an average of two years on deputation. How long was it for you before you were able to come to Brazil? We were, we finished raising our support in 18 months. Um, oh, wow. But then we stayed in America a few months longer just for Jed to finish getting flight training. Mm -hmm. um, God provided an airplane for us to use here in Brazil and Jed got his pilot license between meetings. He would go to the airport and train and then he wanted to get one more rating that is really important for pilots. So we moved to Alabama for the last three months and he trained there okay. um, through a ministry that trains missionary pilots. Oh, wow. Wow. So um, what was your kind of goal in Brazil? I know he wanted to fly. But what was kind of the, the levels of, or goals, plans that he had when you, like, what was your idea, ideal ministry here in Brazil? We want to do church planting. Um, that's what we, you know, in the Bible see as the Great Commission, how it's, um, 
accomplished, you know, through a local church. So our dream and vision is to start one church and then from that church plant multiple churches Mm -hmm. Um, and all supported nationally, pastored by national pastors. Um, When, when we talked about our, uh, I guess, philosophy of ministry, some missionaries um, go to a place, they start one church and they stay at that church their whole life. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, that's fine, you know, but we want to just multiply, you know, not just stay in one place. Jed, he'll be a pastor for a while, but he's really a church planter. He'll pastor a church until it can be pastored by a national that he trains, and then we'll go on to start multiple churches. Um, and that's where the airplane will come in use. So in the area of Brazil we're in, it's um, very spread out and the road system is not well developed. And all these towns have airstrips. So he can fly, you know, to a town, preach the gospel there, the people that get saved from those encounters, you know, he'll start a church with and mm-hmm. um, bring nationals along with him. You know, this is a, it's a huge dream. It's a long-term goal, but um, I don't think we, I think so often we limit God and what he can do. And uh, we've just seen how God again and again supplies and pushes us out there to step out on faith. So we're excited. We're thrilled. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, people talk about it all the time that, you know, we're encouraged to make bold requests before God. Um, He is a big God and he can Mm -hmm. do the great things. Sometimes we're just afraid to ask. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you see in the Bible that there are people who really did ask God. They wanted big. They had a big dream and God gave that to them. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's wonderful to see that. Now, does does Jed, because I know his parents live in Brazil. Do you guys work with them a little bit or just kind of doing that part? So we arrived in Brazil on March 17th. Um, so just a few months ago. And right now I am being tutored in Portuguese. Um, even though I'm conversational in it, I never studied the grammar. So I have a tutor coming and we actually stay next door to his parents. His parents live on the other side of the the church is between us, I guess, and a wall, okay. but they're our neighbors. So that's been a blessing um, in many ways, uh, just a, a huge blessing. But after, um, let's see, November, I'll finish my tutoring and we're going to move about 12 hours north to start okay. um, working at a church there. Okay. You guys are going to be kind of doing it on your own initially, correct? Yes. Pioneering. Okay. We want coworkers. We're praying for coworkers. So if anybody's listening to this and <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Brazil. <laughs> absolutely. But, um, this is the part where I think a lot of people, when they think of missionaries, they're curious about the transition because for Jed, it was in some ways going home. He was used to the culture, but you were not, you know, you're raised in the South in uh, the Carolinas. So for you, what was the biggest transition? Obviously language is still a little hard, but what about anything else that you could think of that was just, you weren't necessarily prepared for? Like you, you try to be as prepared as you can, but there's going to be something that you're like, Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Honestly, and this is, I think, contributed somewhat to COVID. Um, COVID magnified it, um, but the loneliness. It's mm. just been so, so lonely at times. Um, mm. And I'm not a, a depressive kind of person, but there's been times I felt so depressed and down. Mm. And I would, I would just tell Jed, I feel really low today, you know, really down. Um, the extreme loneliness, because not only are you no more, you know, in contact with English speakers and, and your friends in America, 
but uh, you're not even in contact with the nationals, you know, because right. it's a lockdown. So the first like three months we were here, we basically stayed in our house and um, it's just been hard. You know, the loneliness I was not prepared for. Mm -hmm. Or like you said, you try to prepare yourself, but exactly. you can never be fully prepared for everything. No. And, and I mean, definitely COVID's hit no matter where you are in the world. It really did hit hard for mm -hmm. so many. And the loneliness was magnified on a multiple levels, even in the States. But when you're kind of away from everything that's familiar, that really mm -hmm. heightens it uh, to a whole new level. But for you, because I know you guys have, obviously you have internet, you have all these things. So you have an easy way to communicate with others. For you as a missionary, what would you encourage people listening to? How would, how's it best to reach out and what, what should they say? What would be some things that you would have liked to hear or currently like to hear from people when they call you and talk with you? Just asking how you're really doing, mm -hmm. um, updating them on your own life. So for, I'm just speaking for myself. I don't know about all missionaries, but I want to know you know, every little detail of how somebody's new baby is, is doing, or if somebody's dating, I want to know, you know, um, how the, their relationship is progressing or how your job is doing, you know, just sometimes I think people don't know what to say to a missionary, but we're just normal people. <laughs> and we like hearing the normal, what you may think is boring stuff, but I love it. I love it when a friend calls or a sister-in-law calls and just tells me, what she made for lunch. Like, seriously, mm -hmm. <laughs> I really enjoy that. Um, so just being a friend and telling the boring things. <laughs> right. Now, are there unique ways that maybe they could stay in touch with you? I know some people have like Facebook, uh, Instagram. Are there kind of some things that you would like to do or participate? Like I, I know even some people have book clubs and for you, like, is that something that, because you, you, via internet, you can really join in on a lot of that is, because sometimes I think in the state specifically, when we think of missionaries, we don't include them in stuff like that because we're afraid. Well, I mean, they're in their mind, they're out in the middle of the jungle. They're probably no electricity, no nothing. And so, <laughs> but you know, to you, would you like to even have it, um, an extension of, of invitation for something like that? Absolutely. Yes. The way my closest friends communicate with me is through WhatsApp. So okay. that is just such a great way. I mean, it's free if you have internet. And so they send me pictures. We do voice messages. Um, that's how I actually have two, two or three, two, two really close missionary friends. Um, they're in totally different continents than, than where I am, but we communicate on a regular basis through WhatsApp and they'll send me pictures, audio recording. Um, and then sometimes we'll actually call, but many times they're on a different time zone as I am. So that way we can still communicate without actually um, talking, you know, through a phone conversation. Right, right. And again, you know, I know technology is such a great thing. Like I've used WhatsApp because I have family in Germany and it's a great way to communicate. And I think I don't, I haven't used it, but can you actually make phone calls with it? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And that is all hundred percent free because I'm not a tech person totally. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not either. Every app. Well, I say every app, almost every app on my phone, my husband helped me get, I just, <laughs> I am not techie. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. That's definitely not a bad thing. But so for you, this is just some fun stuff. Um, what would you say 
was like your favorite new food now that you've experienced the Brazilian culture? Oh, I have so many. Um, so some, there's misconceptions about missionaries and some people think that we're deprived of good food and we're not. The food is so good here. Um, there's not a huge variety in the area we're in, but the, the food that we do eat is amazing. It's, it's healthy and fresh and really good. I guess if I had to say one thing that I don't, I don't know if they have it in America, maybe it's really expensive, but it's acai or some mm -hmm. people call it a pie. Um, okay. Yep. So here we can order it and get it delivered to our home and in these little cups and we eat it at night. Um, it's just a treat. It's like ice cream, but it's healthier and it's high in iron and antioxidants and all this other good stuff, but it tastes really good. It's this dark purple, almost like ice cream, but it's better than ice cream. Okay. See, if you know Gloria, she, she, she was adventurous with food too. I, I'm again, I'm so different. I, I like what I like and I don't like to explore. And Gloria was like, Oh, this is so fascinating. Let me try. Yep. She would come to my house and my mom, you know, she cooks all these German meals and Gloria's like, Oh, I love it. This is so amazing. So we always enjoyed that part. So Gloria was always built for adventure. Um, for sure. She always enjoyed that part, but now you have one daughter, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, Eliana. So how did she transition? Does she like with language and all of that? How did she do? She shocked me. She shocked me and Jed with how easily she transitioned. Um, so when you ask what was the greatest culture, you know, shock, and I said the loneliness, the greatest fear in coming here, if you could say a fear um, or nervousness was for my, my daughter. You know, she's mm -hmm. too... She's never been to Brazil. She doesn't know any Portuguese. Um, she doesn't understand, you know? And so we get here and she was fine, <laughs> like literally fine. The biggest problem, I say problem, it wasn't even a problem, just something she had to get used to was the heat. Um, the first few days we were here, she kept saying, I'm cold, mom, I'm cold. And she didn't know how to say she was hot, but she was, you know, drenched in sweat. And I can tell she's just miserably hot, but um, we were also in the muggy season and right now it's the dry season. So it's, it's like a dry heat. It's not, um, mm -hmm. you don't sweat, you know, that much, but she has just done amazing. She loves the food. She put on weight after coming here. <laughs> she just chubbed out a little bit and she was never chubby like that in America. So um, she's done really, really well. She has a different personality than both my husband and I. Um, Jed and I are both uh, pretty outgoing, you know, pretty uh, extroverted. I'm an introvert, extrovert, actually, but <laughs> some people don't know that about me. Um, but he's definitely an extrovert. And our daughter is more introverted. So I've had to um, just learn to respect that because I don't want to ever try to mold her into someone that God didn't create her to be. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make her into what her dad or what I am. Um, as long as her character, you know, is godly and she's pleasing the Lord and obeying her parents, that that's what's important, but she doesn't have to be everybody's best friend. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think anybody can be no. everyone's best, friend, but I don't force her to, um, be somebody that God didn't create her to be. And I think that has helped her too, um, a lot with the transition. Yeah. And I love what you said, because I've known parents who, you know, why are you like this? Why is my child like this? Why can't you be more like so-and-so? Or why can't you be like this person? And honestly, that's very detrimental to a child's 
um, growth, you know, that they're, they're not secure in who they are because God made them that way. There are, you know, like you said, there's character things that need to be molded. Obviously you change those things, but, and you, you work them to, to know the Lord and to develop that relationship so that he can chip away what doesn't belong. But there is a core that he created that you are, you're intended to be. And you want to encourage your child to be that way because that's, that's what the world needs them to be because that's who God yes. and that, that aids them in their purpose. And you look at like the life of Paul, I always think of Paul because, you know, when he became a Christian, he didn't really change. The only thing that changed about him was his zeal for God. That zeal that he had for the Pharisees and for this wrong side transitioned into who he became. And mm-hmm. God said he had great plans for, for Paul. And so I think when you allow the child to be who God intended them to be, I think it's just a great thing. And I'm looking forward to seeing Eliana continue to grow. I mean, she's adorable. I mean, she's just Aww. so cute. She's like this little baby doll. And you're just like, oh, you look just like your mom. So adorable and beautiful. <laughs> so we love her. She's a joy. She just, she's so different in her personality than me. I, I just think it's marvelous in that, I just marvel in how God creates every child different and um, not a clone. There's no clones, but right. she is her own little person. Her favorite color is bright pink. And, <laughs> you know, I prefer Navy. I'd wear Navy every day. <laughs> I could. And she reminds me almost every day, my favorite color pink mom. And I'm just like, yes, it is. And then she goes in your favorite color blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. She knows the difference. It's so good. Yes. Now I think uh, I know that two of um, Jed's sisters live in the States, but he has one that actually lives in Brazil. So does that give you guys time to connect? I know there's cousins there. Does that, is yes. that good for Eliana that she kind of gets to socialize with them? Oh yeah. They live about four hours from us. They have a church plant in another city. Okay. Um, they're pioneering, you know, missionaries too. And when we get together, it, the fellowship is so sweet. Um, she loves her cousins. She says they're her best friends. His sister, Jess, has been like a, a hero to me. You know, you don't put people on a pedestal, but there are people that you can look up to in life and see they're doing things right. They're being a, you know, a godly wife or a godly mom or, you know, just a, a godly Christian. And mm-hmm. she's one of my heroes. <laughs> oh, my my best friends, uh, one of my best friends. And that's so good. You know, you need those relationships, especially, you know, you can forge new ones uh, over there. Um, now I'm curious, does, does Eliana, has she picked up the language at all a little bit? Is she understanding it more and more? She is. Um, she doesn't speak a lot of it yet. And I think it's mainly because she hasn't had much exposure to it because we've, you know, been in lockdown. Um, a lot of people weren't comfortable coming over to people's homes, you know, during this uh, pandemic time, they're just afraid of COVID. So we wanted to respect that. And we haven't had a lot of people over. So I think once the, the whole pandemic lifts and she's around kids more, she'll, she'll become fluent in no time. But um, she understands a lot of it. <laughs> well, that, and kids, you know, at that age, they do, they do learn so quickly. They absorb, they're just like a little sponge and they really do get it. So I'm um, excited to see. I, I follow Gloria on Instagram and I get to see some videos of Eliana and she's just so cute. So I look forward to cool. seeing her grow. But for sure, um, if people want to connect with you, what kind of ways would you encourage them to, to find you? I would say WhatsApp, but I don't know my number right off the top of my head. It's a new number because I came to Brazil. 
and it's really long. Um, <laughs> but on Instagram, it's to the uttermost 89. And then um, my email is the same to the uttermost 89 at Gmail. And Sarah can probably link this. Mm-hmm. If you I'll be including these in the show notes. But if you want um, my WhatsApp number, I'll email it to you or message it to you. And then um, our Facebook page is Jed Gloria Duarte. And our ministry Facebook page is the Duarte family. Okay, great. Because I know, trying to put I'm, out- sure, I'm sure you wouldn't say no to anybody wanting to no. connect with you. <laughs> so I, but- I, on Instagram, I only have lady friends. That is, <laughs> but I on guess- Facebook, anybody can uh, friend request us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I know I, I kind of do the same thing too. I limit it. Um, I'm like, no, I don't know you. That's more me. I'm like, I don't know you at all. I'm not going to follow you. or. Right. <laughs> I, yeah. If I've never met you or ever had a real um, connecting heart to heart conversation, then I, I, I don't know. If I don't have a basis for a friendship, I, I usually don't accept um, Instagram request. Sure. So Instagram if you want to do share. that, if you want to do that, make sure that you tell them, I heard about you on the podcast. So can I be your friend? <laughs> yes. Yes. That, that would be perfect. <laughs> so, well, I appreciate you taking time, Gloria. For those of you who don't know, we had to figure out this, uh, zoom. We're trying to record this over zoom. So it was quite a trip just so that we were not figuring it out at all. We saw each other on video and I'm like, hi, Gloria. And she couldn't hear me. And she'd be like, hi, Sarah. And I couldn't hear her either. So <laughs> I just saw your lips moving and I was like, okay, I think she can hear us, but we can't hear her. And then she messaged me. No, I haven't heard you either. And did like a laugh, you know, laughy face. And it was funny, but we got it. <laughs> We're so proud of ourselves. We're like, wow, we did this. <laughs> So we're very thankful for this, but I appreciate you um, just taking the time to join me and um, Gloria did write an article for my magazine. So be sure to check it out. You can follow um, the link in my show note. You can check it out for yourself, but I appreciate Gloria taking time. She's been such a sweet friend to me and I promise if you reach out to her, you will not regret it. So hopefully you get a dozen requests and you'll just have so many friends. You don't know what to do with them all. Oh, Thank you, Sarah. This has been a blessing. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. So we will hopefully maybe sometime have you back, maybe a few years down the road as you've expanded and you can share the ministry and how the Lord's continuing to grow it. So I really appreciate you taking the time and um, I hope you have a wonderful day and we'll talk soon on WhatsApp. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I hope that it was a blessing to you. I know that it was a blessing to my heart. Gloria is always an encouragement. If you want to connect with her, just simply go to my show notes, the information she shares in the episode. I will have those written down, her email address and her information on social media. And please, I encourage you. She really is a wonderful, wonderful person. And you will be so blessed to know her more and just take that time to Uh, connect with her. Missionary life can be lonely. They are completely out of their comfort zone. They're in a totally different culture. And just having people reach out and care is so important. So I encourage you to do that. And for more information about the Sit Still My Daughter magazine, you can go to my website, sitstillmydaughter.com and check it out. I'm also on social media on Facebook and Instagram. And if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button and that way you'll never miss a new episode. So have a wonderful day, my friends. And remember just to sit still and trust your Heavenly Father.